Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) It always makes me laugh. What can I say? What can I say? It's like when I record my daily prayers, there's something about certain parts of it that just make me so delighted and delightful. It's, uh, yes, I get filled with delight in the sharing, in the joining, in the recognition that we are of God and that our inheritance is this incredible holiness and it's ours to share it's ours to explore it's infinite we're eternal oh it just makes me (laughs) filled with glee it really does so even though we're not sitting together with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and on the back porch or something where we're joining together, you're doing what you're doing. And I'm sitting here looking out the window in Vermont. It's a beautiful end of summer day. And uh, the rolling green mountains are green. The field is ridiculously green. And uh, we're in different places In this moment in time, we are connected by the sound of my voice. We are connected by the presence of spirit within us because we share the same mind, and it delights me. So thank you. Thank you for being part of my joy and my delight. So let's let's dive in with a blessing here. I already feel so incredibly blessed. I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines in our mind eternally. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented love and wisdom, the wholeness and the holiness that is ours now and forever. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self in order to better remember and recognize our true nature and the true nature of every brother and sister every being. We take this breath of gratitude together and we declare our willingness to forget that which is false and to remember that which is true. In gratitude, we share the benefits of our healing, our clarity and expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Yes, and we're continuing on. It's been quite a little journey. I've enjoyed it tremendously on these laws of chaos. So I'm going to do a little recap here. The first law of chaos is that the truth is different for everyone. People have different versions of the truth. So how could different versions of the truth set you free and liberate you? Fortunately, it's not true. And the ego has the second law of chaos, which is that every one of us must sin. We're all sinners, and because we're sinners, we deserve attack and death. So you see, this is where this unconscious guilt arises here. And we're not sinners, Therefore, we do not deserve attack and death. And I'm going to go a bit further in the second law of chaos here uh, because it leads directly into the third. So in this second law of chaos, we're in chapter 23, section 2, and I'm going to go to paragraph 5. And uh, so talking about the fact that we are sinners and that we have uh, brought this 
sentence, this sentence of punishment upon ourselves, and no one can take it off of us. No one can absolve us, not even God. God is powerless to overcome our sinfulness. See how crazy that is. So, and sin cannot be remitted. So it can't be taking, taken back. So we are stuck in this sinful, sinful state. In this belief that we cannot be absolved of our sins means that, as it says here, our own destruction becomes inevitable. Because we are sinners, we are condemned to be punished and to die. <laughs> this is not light stuff. <laughs> this is pretty intense. So then Jesus goes on to say, Think what this seems to do to the relationship between the Father and the Son. Now it appears that they can never be one again, for one must always be condemned by the other. So in other words, we, we can't be reunited or united with our Creator because we're always going to be condemned by our Creator because we're sinners. And we deserve to be punished. So now we're enemies. We're different. We're not the same and we're not one. And our relationship is one of opposition. It says, just as the separate aspects of the sun meet only to conflict, but not to join. One becomes weak and the other strong by his defeat. Now think about this. Who's defeating who? We're defeating God because, because God's almighty power to forgive, to absolve, to love, to heal, to transform, to transmute, to transcend our earthly manifestations does not have any power over our sinfulness. Whoa, this is such intense stuff, right? So, the, you know, the, the whole idea that we are lost in, in this world and doomed to repeat uh, life on the wheel of karma, it, it's all stemming from this belief in sin. In fact, one of the things that um, I will say when people ask me, uh, they're not familiar with the Course in Miracles or Science of Mind teachings, New Thought teachings, they'll say, well, what is it that you believe? And I say, uh, we, I believe that all is one, that we're all part of one life, and that life is the life of God. And I do not believe in sin. I believe that people make errors. We have mistakes. And some of them are pretty horrendous. But I don't believe in the concept of sin and that people should be punished for their sins. So the, those are some of the headlines that I give to people uh, who are religious and who are not necessarily, but who are asking me what I believe. To me, that not believing in sin part is one of the most important parts of A Course in Miracles. And right here tells you why. Because this third, rather this second law of chaos is where punishable by death is outlined and made clear. And that we have usurped God. We've usurped the Father. The Son has usurped the Father and made the Father powerless in this world. And you can see 
if we believe that, we'd be terrified all the time. Because now we're left to our own devices, and we know that we go crazy on a regular basis. Or we can't be trusted. We say we're going to take out the trash, and then we totally forget to take out the trash. Can we be trusted? We say we're not going to have sex with that person anymore, and then, oops, I did it again. We say we're going to look for a job today, and then, well, tomorrow. All these things that we say we're going to do or not do, and we, on a whim, the slightest temptation, will just throw it all aside. Right? So then, of course, we make... Uh, this these choices then become the evidence that we're losers, we're idiots, we're morons, we can't be trusted, we're not good enough, something's wrong with us, and on and on and on. And it all really does stem from this belief in sin and that we should be punished. Because when we believe something, and this is so valuable to understand, when we believe something, uh, especially something that's not true, we will be consistently looking for evidence to support it, precisely because it's not true. Things that are true, we don't gather evidence for all day long. But things that are false need a lot of propping up. And so we start looking for ways to prop up these false propositions. So it says here, then God becomes weak and we become strong because we've defeated God with our sinning. And then Jesus says, and fear of God and of each other now appears as sensible. Sure, if, if we can defeat God, and we're stronger than God, then there's going to be fear of God because deep down we know that's insane. And also because we're it's all made possible, brought to you by sin, brought to you by the makers of sin. And uh, so we, and we're the makers of sin, and the perpetuators of sin, and we know that, and so we, deep down, fear that we are going to be punished even for making up sin and perpetuating sin. And so it it appears as though we've done something horrible to ourselves and to our Creator. So then Jesus says, The arrogance on which the laws of chaos stand could not be more apparent than emerges here. So this third law of chaos is that God can be mistaken. And Jesus says here, Here is a principle that would define what the creator of reality must be. What God must think and what God must believe and how God must respond believing it. It is not seen as even necessary that God be asked about the truth of what has been established for God's belief. His Son can tell God this, and God has but the choice whether to take His word for it or be mistaken. So, God has to take our word for what the truth is. For who's a sinner, who's not a sinner, it's up to us. And this, if we just sit with it for a while and contemplate it, you'll realize how absolutely terrifying this is is to believe. It is, you can see in a sense the the origins of these kinds of uh, complexes of where um, people have uh, a desire to kill their father. 
right, to kill their their creator. That the idea that the the father is imperfect, and that we're smarter than the father, it it's crazy making. And, you know, I've known so many people in my life, and particularly when people feel like they're more intelligent than their parents, and each generation is exposed to more expansive education and learning, although intelligence comes in different flavors. Some people have incredible talent, like my my niece is very talented as a visual artist. I am not. <laughs> and I have friends who are incredibly talented with music. I am not. I have my own talents. We all have our own gifts and talents. I truly have come to witness that everybody has genius. Everybody has incredible talents. But not everybody explores them and knows them. And some people, their talent is for really loving other people. Some people, their talent is for really caring for other people. And that's a tremendous talent, but it's not recognized by the world. In fact, I was just listening to... um, Sometimes I listen to Bill Maher, Politically Incorrect. I don't have television, so I I watch clips of things on YouTube sometimes. And um, he's so judgmental that it makes me laugh (laughs) because it's like the opposite of what I teach. But um, I I appreciate how he he really has a, a dedication to believing that everybody deserves good treatment and fair treatment. And uh, he did a little rant recently about how with the virus and so many people having their kids go to school at home and online and things like that, that parents, and he's not a parent, uh, are waking up to the value of the teacher's Uh, I know I have a friend who has a couple of young boys and uh, they're preschool age and without daycare, without any help, you know, can't even have a family member come over uh, because of the virus and uh, having that go on for months. And his husband was in the hospital with coronavirus and he, he was saying, it was just full on with with the boys, and uh, there was there was just no way to do anything else. And I think of my grandmother who raised four boys. She she gave birth to four boys in six years. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds so intense. And she raised those four boys. She did not have a house cleaner. She did not have a nanny. She did not have any of those things. I don't know that they had preschool when my father was growing up. I tend to doubt it. And but she she really she she did it, you know, and of course she did it in a dress. She did everything in a dress, uh probably with hose on and um in a a, a low heel and she was baking and cooking and and doing everything that needed to be done. In fact, I'll just tell you a little funny thing. My One of my, I, I don't know, one of my uncles needed to have his tonsils out. So the doctor came to the house, and he did a deal with my grandfather uh, and did all four boys at once, whether they needed it or not. And it was like, Four for a hundred dollars or something, and I remember seeing the receipt. It was a paper receipt that my grandfather had kept, or probably my grandmother kept it, and um, they did it on the kitchen table. My grandfather, my my, my father is about eighty three now, 
So, and he was the youngest one. Times have changed. Times have changed. Imagine if you could get your tonsils out for $25 on the kitchen table or even $2,500. Good Lord. Okay, we've come a long way from um, God being mistaken and that we're smarter than God. That's the third law or belief uh, that seems to make chaos eternal, Jesus tells us here. And he says, for if God cannot be mistaken, he must accept his son's belief in what he is and hate him for it. Uh, so, so catch this because it is a bit um, obscured so that we look deeply into it. So if we can tell God, that you, God, you have to take our word for it that we are sinners who deserve to be punished and die and that our sins cannot be absolved. You have to take our word for it. And if you don't take our word for it, you're mistaken. So we think, well, God cannot be mistaken. So he has to take our word for it. It must be true. Dun, 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 dun. Crazy town. And uh, these are the kinds of logic that the ego has. It is called insanity. So then Jesus goes on to say, See how the fear of God is reinforced by this third principle, that we're, we're afraid of God in part because we're telling God, look, you're wrong. We're sinners. We cannot be absolved. You do not have the power to absolve us. We are right. And if you tell us we are wrong, we're going to tell you you're mistaken. And we win because you're wrong. I mean, that's just, there's no way that we can feel good about that. (laughs) There's no way we can get in bed at night and think, yeah, I feel safer now. (laughs) It's just, you can see why it, it is the fomenter of chaos. And how Jesus says, the fear of God is reinforced by this third principle. Now, he says, it becomes impossible to turn to God for help in our misery. Right? Because we can't be absolved. We can't be forgiven. We can't be washed clean. We deserve to die. We are sinners who must be punished. We deserve it. So we can't turn to God now. You see, and this is the thing that so many people believe. And they do turn to God. They're hoping. And then they go to God begging and beseeching, all the while believing that they are sinners. And in this, they are convinced. Because the Bible tells them so. Because their priests and, and, and other people tell them so. Society tells them so. Their family tells them so. And so they're absolutely, utterly convinced of it. And so God can't help. It's beyond the range of God. And they pray believing that it's beyond the range of God. And so what do they experience? They experience that God can't help them because that is what they believe. It is done unto us as we believe. So we do have to be willing to change our mind in order to have a different experience. This is where I put my focus in my classes, in my retreats, in everything is Cultivating that willingness to change the mind. 
And, uh, for instance, uh, doing my Stop Playing Small retreat, which is coming up in just a few days here, we look deeply into the mind and find these crazy town mental patterns that we have come to accept. We don't even realize that they're operating there, but they are driving our life experience And it's amazing how when we illuminate them by shining the light of our awareness on them, they can be healed so quickly. And this is what a realization is. Ernest Holmes said, the only time it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. So I'm all about supporting people in having realizations. Someone telling us the truth does not liberate us. But when we know the truth, then we are liberated. This is true. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley. You are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, And I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Just like that. So we're talking about the laws of chaos as Jesus outlines in section two of chapter 23. And uh, it's been such a rich exploration. I appreciate you going on this journey with me. And so in this third law of chaos or third principle, uh, this Fear of God is reinforced by the principle that God is incorrect. We're not absolvable. Our sins are on our permanent record for which we must be punished, put to death. And so he's, God is just completely wrong about that. Doesn't know what he's talking about. And so... That's the third law of chaos, really, essentially that we are sinners, and uh, which is the second law, we're sinners, deserve to be punished, put to death. And the third law is that God is wrong and can be mistaken, and that basically we know better. That is going to reinforce absolute chaos. And so, as it says in the end of paragraph 6, if God cannot be mistaken, he must accept his son's belief in what he is and hate him for it. So, in other words, if we, we are sinners, then God must hate us for it. And hate us because he's mistaken. So... This belief lodged in our awareness plays out in so many ways. It is the unconscious guilt. We feel guilty because we've made up this whole insanity and we reinforce it and it causes our suffering and we blame our suffering on others. And to a large degree, we blame our suffering on God. God is punishing us. Why? Because we're sinners. So it just goes on and on and on. And so this is why he says in paragraph 7, see how the fear of God is reinforced by this third principle? Now it becomes impossible to turn to God for help in our misery. We don't feel worthy. We know we've made our own Mistakes, and we're blaming it on others. We're looking for God to rescue us from ourselves. And yet we have made God the bad guy. And now we're looking to the one we made the bad guy 
the one that we told stories about, the one that we've lied to and deceived and run from, our rescuer. But deep in our heart, we don't believe that we deserve to be rescued or forgiven. And so how could we accept the forgiveness? How could we accept the absolution when we are utterly, utterly convinced that we should be punished and put to death for it? So this is why we beg and beseech God for help that we will not receive. And then we blame God for not loving us because God doesn't help us. But I don't know about you. I have had at least a thousand experiences where I was desperate for help of some kind. I was desperate for some kindness. I was desperate for some just help. And people were offering it to me. And I would not accept it. I wouldn't. And part of why I wouldn't accept it is I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of helping me. I didn't want them to be able to say, she was weak and I helped her. She was needy and I helped her. I didn't want anybody to ever be able to say that. I would rather dig the hole deeper than let somebody help me out of it. If I thought for one second they would, there would be one little string attached to it, their help. And I grew up believing that there were always strings attached, as there often are in human relationships. For me, one of the most wonderful aspects, truly wonderful aspects of my human journey, I almost said joy, my human joy, (laughs) my human journey, my human experience is learning the complete joy of giving without needing anything in return, unconditional giving, unconditional generosity of the heart, being able to offer assistance to someone never thinking again that they, ever, never never mind again, not thinking, oh, they owe me or they should do something, and being able to just offer help. I was, um, uh, er, I was in a, a yoga class, a meditation class, class, Kundalini Yoga Meditation class that I was taking, and we were talking about this meditation for, it's called uh, The Preacher, and uh, talking about this meditation was for attaining the consciousness of this benevolent giver, and Uh, we were having a conversation about our beliefs about what the word preacher meant and things like that. And uh, I consider myself a preacher. And I know that preacher can have a lot of negative connotations. But for me, I consider myself to be a minister of Christ. And in order to be a minister of Christ, I have to know and recognize that no one is better and no one is worse, that I'm one with all, and that to me is the mindset of true humility, unity, so there can be no better than or less than. If there's unity, if all is one, what are you going to say? This part of the ocean is better than this part of the ocean? It it just, this part of God's mind is snappier or snazzier or hotter, sexier than another part of the God, God's mind. No, doesn't make sense. So there is this unity, and 
for me, the, the greatest joy comes from being able to support myself and others in remembering our true identity as the Son of God, as the Christ child. Anything we can do to support people in letting go of their false beliefs about themselves is the gift that we offer to God. It, it is such a tremendous, to me, it's the greatest happiness there is in the world is to be able to support people in relinquishing the false beliefs. And um, the ministration of the love of Christ, yes. And that to me is what ministering is all about and preaching is, is speaking about it. Not to convince anyone, you can't convince anyone anyway, That's you. but what you can do is you can speak from a place of knowing and share from the place of knowing. And people will feel your knowing. And in an experience of resonance, resonance coupling, we could say, that they will be moved as well. So resonance coupling is, let's say you have a piano and a guitar in the same room and you strike a note on the piano and the string on the guitar begins to vibrate in resonance with the note struck on the piano. So we do that with each other. Someone strikes a note of love, kindness, compassion, beauty, wisdom, and it strikes that same note in the other person, and it becomes labeled as inspiration. Oh, I felt so inspired by what they shared. I felt so inspired when they talked about that. What is inspiration? It's when we're having a remembrance, a realization of truth. Right? The only time it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. So healing and real realization are synonymous. And this is my the impetus for me doing this podcast is that as I'm speaking, I'm having realizations which I love, and I'm sharing those realizations that I've already had and the ones I'm having as I'm sharing, and it becomes a healing vortex for those who are willing. Am I doing the healing? No, except for myself. Only I'm the only one I can heal. I can't heal another person. But what I can do is I can support other people in healing. And that is the thing that inspires me, is being able to be with people who are interested in knowing their divinity, and who are interested in being liberated. And then we're like-minded people together. We're on the journey together. We're searching for the same thing. I'm searching in my mind. You're searching in your mind. And we come together with the same desire, like attracts like. And where there is that desire, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will surely be fed. That's from the Sermon on the Mount Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it, uh, oh, it fills me up. <laughs> I love that so, so much. Uh, where he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's uh, Matthew 
chapter 5, 6, King James. Yes. Just think of that. It, it, to me, it's such a comfort to me to, to know that and to have that. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We shall be filled with that righteousness. What is righteousness in this context? It is, it's not what many people think of. It's, as Jesus meant it, and as it was interpreted, or rather transcribed, um, translated rather, you know, he spoke in Aramaic, they wrote it down in Hebrew, many, 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 many decades after he died, and then uh, they went from Hebrew to Greek to English. So righteousness uh, at that time of translation into English, which was a very long time after the Hebrew and all of that, um, it meant those who hunger and thirst after that which is honorable, that which is decent, that which is good, that which is honest, that which is morally just, right-minded, virtuous. Those who hunger and thirst after honesty and honorableness will surely be filled. And what I love is there was a song that we used to sing in the choir at Agape. Uh, and, uh, oh, the name escapes me. It'll come back to me. And there's a line in there that um, about being fed, even if you don't believe. Even if you don't believe, you're sure to be fed. And that always used to bring tears of gratitude to my eyes because I knew it was the truth. And I didn't used to believe it, but now I do. And this relates directly to these laws of chaos and this belief in ourselves as sinners. And so this is one of the things that, for me, it guides my life. It leads my life. I hunger and thirst for righteousness. I hunger and thirst for honesty within myself. Let me be honest with myself first and foremost about my motivations, my motivations for helping somebody, my motivations for not helping somebody. Let me be honest with myself about everything that I'm doing all of the time. Let me just consistently be honest and honest and honest. Because I used to play all kinds of ego games. And I still see where there are temptations to just hide or, I don't know, I can't think of anything right now. But it's a powerful motivator for me just always to say, for instance, my North Star is looking for the truth. My North Star is looking for the honest expression, the loving expression. And sometimes I feel pissed off. Hey, having a human experience, and sometimes it's a bummer. It, but it doesn't have to be, right? If we're looking for righteousness, so what pops into my mind now is I was driving back to Vermont from uh, Maine, and I stopped at the Whole Foods in Portland to uh, get a bunch of groceries, and I have uh, an old Prius, it's a 2005, and the battery is going on my my clicker, my key fob, and uh, you're not supposed to be able to lock it in the car, it won't let you, but it did. 
This is the first time I've ever locked the key in the car, I think, because it's not been possible. Maybe one other time. Anyway, uh, and I, I have to change that battery. That's the issue. Somewhere in all my boxes and bags and things that are all packed up because I just moved into a new house first week in the new house and uh which is lovely and uh everything is packed up anyway locked the key in the car so I realized yep that's what I did I locked my key in my car hmm so call AAA I have platinum AAA because I always seem to need them and uh not always, but sometimes. And uh, I like that guarantee that they'll tow my car for 200 miles if, if I need it. Because I always have old cars, and uh, I always buy old used cars, and uh, they do me fine. Anyway, um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to wait for AAA come and unlock the car before I go into the store. I can't remember why I went back to the car for something. I'd forgotten something. Anyway, I knew. I knew why I had locked my key in the car. Because somehow, some way, it was safer for me to t- be delayed by 20 minutes or whatever it was and to get out on the freeway Uh, or the highway at a different time and that this was spirit looking out for me it wasn't a mistake I could feel it energetically I didn't feel annoyed or frustrated irritated I didn't like having to stand out in the sun but that's all right. I I found a place where I could sit and turn my back to the sun and uh, and the guy came in like 15-20 minutes boom Open the door, easy peasy. And uh, and who knows, maybe that guy's business. He needed the 50, 60, 75 bucks he gets for doing that. And, and AAA didn't need the money. I, I don't know what anything is for, but it's for my good. Everything is working together for my good, and I'm not going to make any exceptions about it. And God cannot be mistaken and I'm not going to make any exceptions about that either and I am not a sinner no one is a sinner and I'm tired of making exceptions about that and let me just say if you find yourself thinking that anybody should be punished for anything you will absolutely believe that you are a sinner and you should be punished too and punished by death They go together. These beliefs are inseparable. They are inseparable. And you can see how we get these insidious beliefs. It was amazing. You know, I've done my stop playing small retreat now, I don't know, four or five times. I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things. I know I say that a lot, but these things are so good when we're doing them. They're just so juicy and yummy and fun and helpful and filled with the the power and the passion of just freedom and letting things go it's so good and i'm so grateful for it oh my gosh and uh so what what was happening was people were having all these realizations of truth And that, oh my gosh, I've been believing this or that all my life. I didn't even realize this is why I'm holding myself back. This is why I'm not allowing myself to have my heart's desire. When we're willing, it all comes forward. This is why our willingness is the only thing that's required. But it's a true willingness. So for instance, when I was realizing that I'd locked my key in the car, and when I was waiting for AAA and all during that, I could have made up a story. I could have, and I could have made up a tale of woe and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't interested in that. 
I, I'm not interested in seeing myself as a victim, and I'm not interested in judging myself. Did I make a mistake leaving the key in the car? Yes, I think so, maybe. But if it saved my life because I was on the highway at a different time and not involved in an accident that might have happened, did I make a mistake? No, I didn't. So I don't know what anything is for. Let me stop pretending that I do. I find that living this way, so many good things, unexpected good things happen all the time for me. All the time. I used to be, you know, I was raised by my parents, whose parents were uh, young in the Depression, and there was so much anxiety and anger and upset if you uh, were charged an extra $5 or something like that. And uh, it brought so much tension and upset and all kinds of stuff into our lives again and again and again. And one of the things I just decided is God is unlimited and God is my source. So I am not going to stress about these things. Just recently, I hired someone to paint the bedroom in the new house and the paint people gave him the wrong color didn't have any red in it so it was a blue instead of a purple had to be repainted that actually cost me $210 well spirit's going to send that $210 somehow some way I don't have to be upset about it the universe is going to get its tithe in different ways I'd rather just give it freely and happily and I'm grateful yes Speaking of tithes, one great way if you'd like to tithe and support this broadcast is to sign up for the ACIMtexts.com. You can sign up for a one-time donation or a recurring donation. And if you're interested in the Stop Playing Small Retreat, just go to jenniferhadley.com. Let's take that breath together and be so grateful and thankful that we are holy now and forever. We share our holiness with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we say amen, amen, amen. I love you.